Three, two, one. Shut up! Remember Smosh? Oh. Smosh. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Well, oh, that was a nostalgia throwback there. This is uh, Anthony Pad- Padilla? Padilla. From Padilla. Padilla. org, And this is Sardanicast. YouTube.com slash Rock the Movie And I'm uh, Ian from IHG. <laughs> Welcome to Sardanicast. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Smosh. It's a good reference. The Smosh movies are really bad. Classic film, yeah. Um, I think yeah, I've those are some of the worst films. Bits of them you know i think i've watched like i think i skipped through one once and was like this is not good which do you know which one i think they were high-fiving on the cover and jumping yeah that's the movie (laughs) i think it was just the smosh i feel like they're very distinct because ghostmates is just kind of i don't think i watched story driven movie with them in it (laughs) yeah like that's just like a Mm. you know you can kind of just imagine like a kind of bland kind of comedy that's what Ghostmates is. Oh. Smosh the movie is like a meme movie with a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I remember people. a bunch of uh, like it's very different. It is very it's different. Movie. I think yeah, there was a like moment the, where they played Epic the Pokemon Meal Time theme. or something like yeah, like a bunch of people yep. that are like Markiplier's you know, I, I don't watch like yeah, like, you know. <laughs> but it's very yeah, it's different. They both suck. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine yeah. Ghostmates is much better. The Fred movies are worse, I think. But they have John Cena. Yeah, but they're weird. They're really weird. <laughs> the, the one I only saw the second one. That was like fucking bizarre. It almost seemed like the uh, YouTuber makes a movie thing. It almost seemed like there was a bit more faith from industry back in the day. You know, like Fred movies are like Nickelodeon. You know, they were like yeah, it's been completely killed. <laughs> yeah, it was something new and fresh back then. There wasn't was faith it? Like in Fred's... the industry back then. Well, yeah, yeah. YouTubers like million sub YouTubers was a new phenomenon back then wasn't it like fred was like a huge name right so they're like we got to capitalize on that yeah so your ray william johnson's your fred's they they would jump in on on the crazy different types of media early media explosion stuff and, uh, yeah yeah so you get your smosh arctic is your... a fine film yeah <laughs> yeah it is but yeah. it's not really a youtube it's a movie made by a person who is a youtuber but it's not really a YouTuber yeah movie. exactly yeah there's a lot of unique things there's video game high school there's you know there's natural other born routes pranksters. that we went yeah oh. it's fine as long as you're not making stuff like not cool like by didn't Shane even Dawson. watch it <laughs> yeah remember well, remember when either. we got a question in our sardonic ass questions or whatever and there were people being like have you checked out the shane dawson documentaries and they were unironically Uh, still calling them documentaries there's like this weird period of time where people actually thought those were good and now that everybody hates him everybody's like i always thought they were bad it's like where did all those people go that thought that those were real documentaries where did all those people just disappear to (laughs) you fucking cowards i don't watch those but i remember them they they would get like millions of views and there was just conspiracy theories basically well, yeah, he just, all he started doing was taking, like, three of his normal episodes of, like, 10-minute-plus normal YouTube guff, like, vlog stuff. And then he somehow figured out a way to p- take, like, three of those episodes and just rebrand it as a documentary, and somehow everyone just lapped it up. He probably got some editors to work on it. Well, yeah, like, one of the conspiracy theory ones, the cons- the, the theory was that in Chuck E. Cheese, they, they collect up all the slices, and then in the kitchen, just, like, 
shamble together pizzas with like leftover bits mm. which is really weird because you'd be saving zero dollars <laughs> the amount of money it costs to like make a pizza you know yeah but you're like you know like when you make a documentary you you have like a premise a thesis and then you explore it you research it you know yeah you make a story out of it but these it's people like, have no talent they- yeah it's like you just threw out this idea and then <laughs> doesn't explore it in any way doesn't do anything with it. Like you could, you'd imagine, like oh, maybe he's gonna, I don't know, try and get like a job working at Chuck E. Cheese, get one of his friends to work there, do something. But, like he yeah, just does nothing. you he could, just, like, you could do a real nothing. expose if that was what you wanted to do. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It just kind of starts and stops at look these 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 slices don't match up. They will look weirdly <laughs> <Yeah>. cut, <laughs> right? He knows how there's nothing going on in them, too. So he, like, edits in these video blocks, like, clips of robots, like, just... No, I'm serious, dude. Like, every few minutes, there's just, like, a random clip of some weird video block stock footage, like, robot anime. It's it's wacky, dude. Check out that that conspiracy theory one. Yeah. I watched a James Healy movie, Penis Boy. That was fucking really bad. That's that's like another YouTuber movie I guess I've seen. He tried to Penis hide that, boy. but I don't know. That one's really it's like mm-hmm. it's hard to even get What's through a minute of it. Penis boy. What's the plot? Uh, I don't even want to describe it. <laughs> You're the one that brought it up. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Because we were just thinking of bad YouTuber movies. That's like the most no, recent no. one I've you seen. You know what though? <laughs> there's like um, there's a YouTube channel that I found from the movie that they made called tiny cinema and they have less than twenty thousand subscribers and i i clicked through a couple of their videos there was nothing that i found to be like great but their movie is really funny and it's called butt boy (laughs) and and it's like it's it's really really it's like one of the stupidest funny it's like actually solid i would i would unironically recommend butt boy yeah i just mean the title is better I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah. Oh, please. It's, probably it's on, so funny. I can add it to a watch list. Sure. Uh, it's It's got some, like, hilarious practical effects and hilarious uh, implications. <laughs> yeah, that name oh, enough God. has sold me. It's just so dumb, but really funny. Yeah, 2019. But yeah, don't don't watch the... Don't even watch the short butt boy on their YouTube channel because it doesn't hold up to the movie. The movie is just so funny. Damn. Okay. It's really... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the trailer, honestly. It's better it's... than Penis Boy. <laughs> That's how you describe it. I guess so. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah, Shane Dawson's movies are bad. Was there some movie news you wanted to bring up? Aside well, from, like, these fucking awful movies? Yeah. Well, there's, um... <laughs> I was... I mean, there's a couple things that have been going on. There's, uh... There's a fucking AMC stock is, like, up again. Which, I mean... Partially due to, like the meme, the meme stonks of of people. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, creating pump and dumps. Basically, who knows? But Quiet Place Part Two did well. I think no, that, that yeah, helps. yeah, yeah. I think that's a contributing. That's factor. that's why I said partially is not is because theaters okay. are kind of like coming back, which is good. I'll I'll see another movie in theaters. You know, the last one I saw in theaters in a real theater was um, Invisible Man. Lee Winnell. Yeah, that's a lot of wow. people's like last experience. Yeah, mine was Tenet. I saw Tenet in a drive drive-in. So <laughs> yeah, 
Which is interesting. It's, yeah, I saw Tenet and I saw um, something else, Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting my first movie back in theaters to be the new M Night film, Old. Which Ooh. is yeah, uh, I was thinking that too. Looking the great. New old. It yeah. actually looks pretty good. It looks interesting. It's, oh? it's like kind of a comedy, I think. Oh, but, yeah, I'm not sure. The, okay, the premise is interesting. You think it? Did, did you watch it, the it full trailer or the teaser? Bit, but because... then it freaked me out. I watched the full trailer. I watched the I teaser, the teaser. And I, I didn't. I didn't think that it was trying to be a comedy. I think all of his movies, especially after like some of his last Airbender type movies, are are they don't take themselves as seriously. They are kind of comedies, like uh, I mean Split or um, The Visit. Had didn't even say that about The Visit. He's like it's like a, it's like a horror movie and a comedy. Like, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I feel like that's what he's always going for. Yeah, I never saw The Visit. And, like, the premise of old is so bizarre um, that it is kind of funny. But, I'm going to... You know, this, this, is, this is not... No, 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 no. Because when he, when he says that, that it's also a comedy in The Visit, he's talking about the fucking cringe rap sequences that are not funny. That's why The Visit <laughs> is, like, one of the worst movies fucking ever. Is because it tries to be funny, and it's the most cringe fucking thing in the world. Yeah, that's okay. like it's like it's a comedy in the way that like Birdemic Two is a comedy. It's like someone who doesn't understand comedy wrote a comedy, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. The Last Airbender. But I admire him trying to be funny at least. <laughs> I, I, I think I think in every one of his films, there's at least some moments within the film that are trying to be comedic. But I don't know if that yeah. necessarily means it that, depends like, every on the movie how well those moments work. <laughs> I think like Last Airbender is one of his worst ones because it's so dull. You know, there's no jokes, there's no humor personality and the source material being there and yet well. it's one of his funniest there's yeah, no jokes it's funny and it's one of his funniest. i think the happening is funnier though it's a inconsistent movie but you know there's the parts that are trying to be funny that i i don't know <laughs> but it's so bizarre that yeah i think the happening is funny and like actually more entertaining you know i think old will hopefully be like a better version <laughs> of like something like that you know, I, I think it'll be his return to form, and b- by that I mean it'll be really bad, and I'll be able to laugh at it. As long as there's no cringe <laughs> rap in it, I'll, I'm going to be so happy. Split you was know? really good. I thought Split was actually really yeah, good. Yeah, do you know why? It's because he took a script from when he was writing good movies still. Like, he's... The, the, the trajectory of what I've predicted <laughs> oh, has I been, like, spot on. Oh, yeah. He wrote the script for Split, like, back when he was doing, like, Unbreakable and shit. Well, it right? has that connection to uh, other films that he's made. Yeah. And then and then the moment he tries to do a film, like, in the same universe, but it's a new script, he made Glass. <laughs> like, the fucking oh, worst thing ever. Unbearable. Well, Glass, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even see that one, because... I should, because Bruce Willis is in it. But oh, you should. It just seems like a paycheck There's a movie few for him. Reasons why you should see it. Yeah, you, you know? forget he's in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's cancer though. So watch out. He's a very inconsistent guy when it comes to making movies. Well, he's at a point where I'm just, uh, I don't get excited for a new movie of his unless it looks kind of Speak funny, bad. Speak for me. yourself. It's been such a long time. I mean. <laughs> Split was the last one I guess I, I just, just straight up enjoyed as a movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Split seemed Without good. any caveats. Yeah. But then the follow up was like, okay, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe this was a kind of a fluke. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening in here. He he took a script from when he still knew how to write. <laughs> That's what he did. And I guess he had McAvoy too, Ma- having McAvoy to carry it as well. Yeah. There helped. were a few things that made that movie good. That's also, true, he too. was working with like a pretty good cinematographer too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were there were some elements, and you know, just a good combination of elements that worked well in that film. And then 
he basically took the same combination of elements for glass and then just had a worse much worse script and somehow the entire movie just was like absolute cancer especially the second <laughs> half mm-hmm. holy crap he's, he's getting on par with your Snyders at this point where it's like riding off <laughs> early hits in your career and you're just wondering at a certain point why do I why do I like your movies anymore have you seen like Sixth Sense and Unbreakable I think those movies are better yeah yeah no they're great but it is the same thing as like Snyder where anything it's like... Snyder has made yeah <laughs> the height alone. Dawn of the Dead is, his, for is the height of, of Zack Snyder's career I think every other movie he's made is really Zack Snyder doesn't have any masterpieces yeah, yeah right I think Unbreakable is is basically a masterpiece and so is Sixth Sense yeah should probably rate those higher <laughs> like honestly <laughs> Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I like those too. Yeah, it's just you know at a certain point when there's there are fewer and fewer like great examples. Mm -hmm. It's more and more. The happening is a masterpiece of awfulness. (laughs) (laughs) I love horrible acting. Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel was like perfect casting. You know, (laughs) they were so. Oh, it has one of the most memorable that. scenes to me. It's shocking. <laughs> the, yeah, their shocked faces <laughs> are so stupid. It's that point early on in that movie. It's like it just comes out of nowhere. There's this kind of old bloke who starts talking to the main characters about like hot dogs or something like that. Yeah, the hot dog guy. I love yeah, the hot, hot dog, dog guy. guy. That's one of the most memorable scenes. Yeah, because it just it doesn't really relate to anything. It was like a dumb <laughs> joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's trying to be funny too. It's trying to be like quirky. <laughs> it doesn't you know? make sense, like within the tone, because it's followed with like a death scene. I think. You know how the Coen Brothers can stick like really interesting, like Southern characters in No Country for Old yeah. Men, where it's like the it doesn't ruin the tension of the film in any way. But there are some funny moments where it's like. You know, Mm -hmm. he's trying to go to a store and get some things, and the store clerk is, like, some weird character, like, oh, I don't think so, bud. You know, like, they're Mm -hmm. able to do that. And I think M. Night kind of thinks that he's doing that at some points in time. Like, I'll just make a quirky character here, you know? It's a sticky idea. The stickiness, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that whole thing. I think think he thinks that he's doing that. Old is going to be fucking awesome. I'm going to laugh to my grave. I'm very excited. We're all going to see it. Oh, I'm going to see I mean. it opening night. I'm assuming I that I'll have it. my second yeah, dose really excited by to. that point. I'll be all chipped up. I'm excited. I'm super excited. <laughs> like, it, for this to be my first real theater experience of, like, the whole pandemic, really. It was, like, 2021. Mm-hmm. You know? I think it's so appropriate. Because I don't great. think I've missed a, an M. Night yeah. premiere. <laughs> I wouldn't want to start missing one, you know? And um, I guess before we get into uh, another movie, <laughs> just like to point out, I don't, <laughs> the uh, Saw Spiral is on digital now, and <laughs> I saw it, and it, it's it's so bad, and I was just thinking right now, like, <laughs> damn, they could have... <laughs> They could have just released that on digital during the pandemic. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been any fucking different. Like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, because they've held on to yeah. it, haven't they? Yeah, Lionsgate's so weird. They did that with Chaos Walking and, and Saw Spiral. And the Twitter account, when people were like, hey, can you just release Saw Spiral on VOD? They're like, you have to see this in theaters. <laughs> it's such an experience. Now, after watching it, it's like, oh, fuck off. You, That's funny. You liars. <laughs> you don't, you don't even that believe level. that. I was kind of hyped for Spiral, but... In what way? I should lower my expectations. 
Oh, just to see where the Saw franchise was going next, you know? Like, w- yeah. What tricks yeah, are they going to pull here. out this time? I heard some good things about it, like Chris Rock. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little... I. You can you you should both watch it for yourselves. I won't try to influence your opinion in any way at this point. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely checking this. Yeah, out. please watch. We'll talk about it in a few episodes or something. But yeah, I yeah uh, yeah yeah. Okay. Who boy. In other news, <laughs> uh, also a movie that is bad. Uh, Army of the Dead, directed by Zaddy Snyder. Sorry, Hack Ooh. Snyder. What a treat. We were just talking yeah, about Yeah, we could have segued it better, honestly. Double 2021 Snyder. Just came out with the Justice League Snyder cut, yeah. Came out with. And this movie felt as long. The Army of the Dead felt about as long as the Snyder cut. Yeah, no, the, the two films Snyder has released this year are the two longest examples in those two genres, those superhero movies. Oh, really? He's got the longest one. And he's got the longest zombie movie, too, with Army of the Dead. Wow. Two hours, 28 minutes. Two hours, 20 I've minutes, heard, and uh, goddamn, he wants to make everything. sequels as well. There's going to be a few sequels. Apparently, it was a fucking hit for Netflix. Apparently, Army of the Dead did oh, yeah. really well. Cool. I thought there was something wrong with my TV. No. Dead pixels. <laughs> it's the second most expensive zombie movie ever made as well. Second most? Uh-huh. Okay. What's the most? Yeah, after World War Oh, Z. yeah. I should have thought about <laughs> that one a bit longer. Yeah. Now, do we think this is better than World War Z? I would say yes. I would say God. no. I would say no. I might say no. No. What did I rate World War okay. Z? I think it was higher than a one. <laughs> how long is it? That's how I'll answer. I think it's shorter, but let's see. Yeah, I, re- I rated Maybe World War just, Z a uh, solid four. Biased. And it's an hour and 56 minutes long. Okay. 2013. God, it feels like yesterday. The dead pixels really were distracting. Um, aside from that... I don't know. So explain this drama or whatever that was going on with this movie. There was a drama? About what? The character they had to cut oh, out? Oh, that. Or that's like hilarious. Out with Tignataro? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, Tignataro's a good comedian. The, there's some parts where I felt like it, they just CGI'd a character. Well, no, the, the fucking whole thing. I mean, basically. Where it was like, yeah. so anybody who's confused, we should explain... Chris D'Elia got me too'd for like, I don't know, sexting 12-year-olds or some shit, whatever happened. Yeah, Canceled. Douchebag. The movie was already finished, literally a, a year after everyone else, after everybody had stopped filming, they decided that they would f- refilm certain scenes and digitally edit Tig Notaro into the movie. So when you see her on screen, mm-hmm. it, the character was originally supposed to be Chris D'Elia. And so throughout the film, either Tig Notaro is in her own shot or she's right next to other characters that are all weirdly out of focus because they basically added (laughs) like a a blur over all of the footage and then made it look like it was just like a focal thing even though they're standing right next to each other at the same depth and so that's how they yeah that they they basically blurred it to make it easier to like stick her into the movie and so every single fucking shot with her is just hilarious yeah. it's like a photo where they like photoshop someone into the yeah. frame it's like, so if funny they, if they every single there. time i see her yeah it looks like a kind of cardboard cutout. yeah it's yeah it is distracting yeah well i i was shocked to read about that budget and just how big of a project it is because Zack snyder he's kind of adopted this 
I don't know the best way to describe to describe it. He has this real reliance on this this kind of. I, I search what it, what it is. He's obsessed with the Canon Dream Lens oh. portrait lens. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice in it was in the Snyder Cut too. It's his yeah. obsession with these kind of portrait shots where the background is always blurred. So you never really get a good sense of the environment you're working in. And it's always these like close up blurry background shots. Yeah. A nice kind of thrown in now and again, but it's such a reliance that you just never get a good feeling of the space that you're working in, which is important mm-hmm. in an action zombie movie like this. And yeah, that was a surprising choice to me because yeah. it's always what people ring Zack Snyder for being good at is the visual side and how he's got such an eye and a flair for this. I even, Watch the uh, creating an army of the dead, um, like Netflix special. I watched made, a bit of that. Like yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, which was <laughs> I found it quite illuminating. Actually, the way they were talking about it, the like PR way they were talking about it, that was basically beating around the bush <laughs> in in having to describe it in any real way. Yeah, because there's just nothing to really say about it. So they just talk about the technology, like, oh yeah, we made the uh, the NX. Sorry, the XN suits that they're able to capture motion for the zombies without using cameras, and they're just folks mm-hmm. hyper focusing on all this tech. And like when they actually have to talk about the story or like the characters, it's just Zach. Like he just throws out some random reference to the Romero <laughs> movie, and then it goes back to some other tech. Like eighty percent of that featurette yeah. was just them being like, "We took real locations in Vegas and we created them <laughs> in the computer." And that they're for to scale, and so if if your if your idea of a movie going experience is pointing out uh, places in Vegas and saying I noticed I know what that is, then this is the perfect movie for you. Mm-hmm. Is that's basically like what the whole <laughs> yeah. fucking thing is? It's like there's more to a movie than that. <laughs> like why does that matter so much? Even though there were some fictional locations, like they show some lo- in the opening, they show some hotels. Some of them are like made up, and I think for the the movie, like I guess they just made some up. There's one like the Olympia, I think it's called. I don't think that's real. I don't know. Are you a, like, are you a Vegas like Chad? Are you do you go to Vegas all the time? A, a, a Vegas expert. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like how accurate it was. I thought the opening title sequence was fine, except it was pointless to the overall plot of the yeah, movie. Like you didn't even really need to see it because you see like a family like die. Like okay, that was cool, but like you don't like they're never brought up again. Like there's <laughs> the guy parachuting down and the. You know, there's uh-huh. yeah. golfing him. I, I like Dave Bautista's character just fine, but there's like all these other characters around him. They like they just die constantly. Uh, and I didn't really enjoy the daughter character. I thought she was really annoying, and she was constantly putting everyone in like harm's way to save people. Mm-hmm. Like she was constantly trying to save her friend, and then like at the end of the movie, like almost everyone dies. Spoilers anyway. So it's like, what the fuck was even the point? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like people just get killed. Like, okay, so the whole guess, thing was stupid and pointless. It's a zombie movie. It is. It, it feels very pointless by the end of it. Like, what the fuck was any of this for? Um, it's a heist film. I guess we forgot to mention that. Like, they don't get any fucking money. The heist part of the movie is so like glossed yeah. over, and there's no like rush. All the characters are, like, talking to each other in the safe, even though there's, like, a, a yeah. nuke about to come and blow them up. Like, mm-hmm. and, and the safe is about to close. Like, there's no rush. They're just fucking talking to each other. It's like, why isn't there any, like, tension here? Like, there isn't Tenet or something like that. Well, it's funny because, like, the the way that they shoot this, the way that they edit it, they insist a countdown, right? They're like, there's 20 minutes before this whole city gets nuked. <laughs> yeah. And they think it, it's this yeah. weird thing that movies do, a lot of like really bad movies do, is they think that by insisting 
that there's a level of urgency that they don't have to show it in any way. So like not only not only is it edited in such a way where it's mm-hmm. like okay, that's way more time than you said was happening, right? But then in during like this all of these sequences where it's like oh, you should really be hurrying, the characters are like dad you were never around much when I was younger. And this sad piano music plays. It's yeah. like, fucking have this conversation later. Around. What are you doing? Like, there is no urgency. Why are you insisting there's urgency? When they're packing there up none? the money, they should be rushing, but they're not. They're, they're, when they're, they're packing up the money, they should be, like, throwing the yeah, money in there Yeah, he was fucking really making quickly, it rain. Like, celebrating yeah, slow. <laughs> yeah, like, making it rain. Like, you guys got, like, 25 Let's minutes. Let's just dance like, for a bit. It, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like, it, the characters, they just don't it's make sense. It's also a nuke. They're not strong. Like, you, you, don't, don't, you don't just want to be, like, yeah. a little bit far uh, away from it. <laughs> you want to be, like, pretty yeah. far away. The safest place you could be, I guess, is the safe, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what would pr- protect you from a nuclear blast, but... I mean, I guess we'll get to the ending part. Like, there's a little post-credit scene, which I thought was pretty dumb. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, what other stuff happened in the movie? There's, like, so much nonsense. Well, like, yeah, all these characters. you said it's a heist movie, but it's obviously a, a zombie movie, too. The zombies play a yeah. huge role. And Z- uh, Snyder's spin on uh, zombies this time is that when they've been zombies for a while or whatever, there's a sect of zombies called the Alpha Zombies, who are <laughs> zombies... As, but if they weren't zombies, they're superheroes. Even in that, that like behind the scenes thing, Dave Batista refers to them as, he says that alpha zombies are like superheroes and he shoots them like superheroes. And it's like, you can see he spent the last like 10 years making superheroes because he directs everything like they're all in DC. They're all epic. <laughs> it's like riding a horse around. Even though there's armor zombies, on. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So why, if you love the zombie genre in this way, why, why are you doing this? They're not zombies anymore. Why are you doing this to it? it yeah, you've just changed it to such a degree where it doesn't even... It's just something so different. They might as well you, be aliens. You're not even using the premise you established. Yeah, they might as well There's be... There's literally on no top of that, Yeah. Did you guys notice that some of the zombies are robots? Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. They have blue blood, and like when they're shot, you see kind of a robotic... <laughs> Maybe under. there's an, another hour of yeah. deleted scenes explaining it or some shit. I don't know. Well, yeah, there's like extra stuff explaining it. Yeah, all well, these ideas and like references and things to other movies, sure. but just forget to make like a good one of his own because Dawn of the Dead is mentioned a lot in this like documentary thing they're talking about mm-hmm. of the making of this, as if this is somehow like a spiritual successor or somehow within the same league. Forgetting the fact that that was a remake, yeah, and was mm-hmm. written by James Gunn. Um, mm-hmm. so you have a, a much stronger base, and here. The, the written, it was at least co-written by Snyder himself. And I think it, it really shows because what was his other previous, uh, solo writing work? Uh, Sucker Punch. And I mean, Noah's mm-hmm. talking about right. the original story of that movie. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's similarly, uh, has a similar amount of depth as, as Sucker Punch in terms of just, it was written, the first draft was written about 10 years ago. And I think that really shows. Oh, was the it? Zombies even. In the zeitgeist anymore, the the weird like Reddit reference and stuff. Oh, just some, it just felt <laughs> aged and bad and dumb and like there was just no real creative juice here. I mean, I think they could have maybe pulled something together if uh, I think the original idea was that uh, James Gunn was going to at least write the screenplay or something, be attached in some way. But he's got a Suicide Squad movie to make instead. Yeah. So. Fell on Zach to pull it together. Yeah, he's, he's had to make a better DC movie than uh, Zach has ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. 
I mean, yeah, it's probably probably what's going to happen. I don't even feel like I have to be hyped up at all to say that because, you know, so it's, not, it's still not super high expectations. You don't even need to have that. To... Regardless of how long and pretentious this movie is, which it's both of those things very much. There's things in the core of this film. There's elements at, at its core that just make it not work very well because, like, you're taking all the scary elements out of zombies. As soon as you humanize them and you're making them, like, emote and, like, grieve and, like, have a baby, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what's up? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't know. They're just fucking, like, stronger people that have angry faces then. Like, what's yeah. the... Why does any of this matter? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Because especially yeah, when yeah. it ends with Dave Batista slow mo exploding the like head of the bad guy zombie anyway, so trying to make you sympathize him <laughs> with him, so it's just a pointless yeah. waste of time anyway. He doesn't even yeah, care about it in the end. A lot of the human characters are just unlikable. Completely, and they focus on the zombies more. It makes you make makes me think like, oh, they want me to like the yeah, zombies. Yeah, what's more. so bad about uh, being like bit. the guy who gets eaten by the tiger? He's like some kind of traitor yeah. or something. He was sent to just pop. steal a zombie head. That was actually the mission the whole time. Like, okay who cares it's not that interesting and then he just gets fucking eaten <laughs> like and that's that's it like that's the end of it he get there's like a two minute scene of him getting eaten by a lion yeah uh i guess there's a lot of focus on gore that's if you like that i mean it's cool the gore looks cool but there's a million other things going on dawn of the dead was much better paced i liked that movie much i more mean there were also actual stakes you know, like they were trapped in a fucking mall yeah. trying to get out and stuff. Like, but like you mentioned, there's a zombie tiger. Yeah. And like it, the execution of the way it actually plays into the movie is such a non-entity. I know. Contrast that with a Netflix movie from a few years ago where there was like a CG kind of zombie bear creature and that just contrast like the scenes and the way like that kind of creature was used in the different movies. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm referencing. Um, Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah. Um yeah. If if it's not nailing the horror, it's not nailing the zombie fiction, it's not got characters, it's not a very good heist movie, the action isn't particularly good, it's way too long, <laughs> the zombies aren't cool, like, what is there? The music choices are right. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. man, I, I'm really oh, trying the music, with music, holy shit, it's fucking awful. Like, constant covers of songs that are just fucking horrendous. I thought that was the worst it's part a Zack of the Snyder film, movie. The mm-hmm. But he's been doing this, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's been doing this for so long now. There's a it's cover like of This is the expected. End from, like, Apocalypse Now. Like, oh, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's constant, though. It's like the whole movie is littered. There's with it. one thing I liked about the soundtrack, and it was that Richard Cheese was in it, because that was a bit of a callback to his other Dawn of the Dead movie, where Richard Cheese was in the soundtrack to that. <laughs> okay. So, there. That's about it. That's the only thing. But even there, yeah, it's there's like... There's tons of references. Yeah. In Sucker Punch, too. Remember, there was tons of covers of songs that were just yeah. fucking yeah. agonizing. Oh, yeah. Some of them are it's just the so same bad, thing too. In this. They're just so grating. Yeah. yeah, I was... uh, I was checking the length every so often. They didn't even get to the part where they were, like, showing up in... in to the barrier of Vegas until like almost an hour through the movie. It's like, what happened in the first hour? Like opening scene, the worst military personnel ever can't contain one zombie. And then we get, so it's like, this is another core issue I have with this type of zombie movie is like, it just kind of picks and chooses how strong and capable the zombies are at any given moment. Cause it's like, I don't know. You got like 10 military dudes 
they can't handle it. They can't handle one of them at all. But then you have like other scenes where it's like the characters who are supposed to survive in that part are just like fucking blowing their heads off left and right and like pow pow like superhero it's like so inconsistent mm-hmm. and if it's going to do that then it's really impossible for me to feel any sort of like fear or tension from these the the actual conflict in the movie which is zombies it's like should i be fearing them or not like they were obviously able to overtake this whole city but at the same time these other characters are getting some cool cool music going along while they're just like fucking killing out all of them you know it's like i don't know it just feels inconsistent yeah did you get to the point in the uh, creating an army of the dead where they were kind of talking about how to be self-aware but never wink at the camera? And oh, no, I didn't get that far. Snyder talking about, I'm aware of the commentary of zombie movies, you know, going back to Dawn of the Dead or whatever. But what is the commentary of this movie? Well, how does he apply his spin onto it? Well, he's got his, like, me too zombie guy. How did you find the impl- <laughs> implementation of that? Oh, uh-huh. Dude. It's, it's um, there's no subtlety to any from, of it. There's no, no comedy was, to any of it. That was bad. I just came. Th- it, there's he's an actor from Sons of Anarchy. I just kept thinking Juice. Mm. <laughs> his name, like I couldn't even focus on the character. Like, but there's that. There's a bit of sort of COVID stuff thrown in there a little bit. It's it, yeah. I, I don't really read anything from it in the end. It all seems kind of. And don't they just shoot him? Like all that, like set up, and then he's like yeah. killed really quick. It's like blinking mm-hmm. you miss it, basically the scene. Yeah, and yeah. then he gets, um, and then that friend an fucking dies. <laughs> like that's what I mean. <laughs> Why? What was the point of this whole fucking movie? Yeah, yeah because a premise this simple does not need two and a half hours. I'm sorry, it no. just simply does not. It's it doesn't benefit long. from it. <laughs> like it doesn't need no. it, and it doesn't. It help. would have to earn it. It makes it worse. It's just so mm-hmm. much of it is just like. It's just it's it's so slow and boring, and then the only moments that I can pay attention to are the moments where I'm cringing. You know, that yeah. scene with Ken Watanabe, it's, and he it, says, "It feels like they think it's Japanesey." Cool. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was yeah. a weird line. Just the humor in general was terrible. So awkward. No, no good, like humorous lines to bring it home. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the po- the post credit scene that's like Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Ask, yeah, I somehow like missed this. I was out. not expecting for there to be an after credit. So please, <laughs> oh, what yeah. happens in it? Like a guy just the guy who's locked in the in the safe. You know, there's a safe mm-hmm. cracker who opens the safe, and a guy. They're like buddies. They're like best friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, he sacrifices himself to you know the safe cra- the safe cracker sacrifices himself. Uh, the other guy comes out of the safe, like, and somehow survives nuclear radiation, fucking, <laughs> I don't know, all that debris and fire, and he walks across the desert to an airport and then gets on a plane, and um, I guess he gives, uh, he's like hanging out with the stewardesses, right? And then he goes in the bathroom and he realizes he got bit, basically. Oops. And that's like the end of the movie. Yeah, so the he's first gonna, time like, he's noticed. It. That's right. No, yeah. I did see this. I just forgot. But it doesn't make any sense. Like, how the fuck did this guy survive a nuclear bomb and all that radiation and then yeah. walk across the desert? And, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And even the safe opening. Um, but apparently safes open in Vegas, like, automatically from the inside. So, so that's teasing the yeah. the new Snyderverse. The sure. Maybe. Verse, yeah. that, that's, what, that's what it is. But it was so thrown in. There was a zombie tiger, isn't that cool? Oh man, that was bad. It's like the zombie polar bear in Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> that was a whole movie. It's just a bunch of gore and like shots of zombies and, you know, fucking dumb characters and dumb jokes and 
None of it meant anything. And well, the how pacing did you find was really the, bad. Um, the violence and gore. Boring. Which is fine. It's, it's like, there's nothing going on. There's, there's nothing no special about it. it. There were no stakes. I, I thought the violence. sets were actually. Like, the whole Vegas set is basically one, like one little block, you see. One yeah. little concrete little square with like a bunch of crap on it. There was one okay um, animatronic. The uh, the headless queen in the bag, I think, was partially animatronic, which was pretty good. Oh, cool. But I mean, yeah. aside from that, there really wasn't that much that stood out. A lot of pretty noticeably bad CG blood squirting everywhere. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, if Zack Snyder wanted to make an entire movie where it was like, lol, epic, Reddit, uh, zombie tiger sort of thing. If he wanted to do that the entire mm-hmm. movie and make something like an hour and a half and it was just like that, and then I'm sure a lot of people would have enjoyed it. Maybe it wouldn't have been exactly for me, but that still would have been much better than this movie because you have that happening yeah. for a good chunk of it. And then the contrast of like them trying to do this stupid family drama story with Dave Batista and the daughter where it's like, you can't throw mm-hmm. this shit into the same movie of someone saying, a zombie tiger? You know? Like, if you're trying to do mm-hmm. this whole cool nonsense and play this dumb, like, cool music be- being like, wow, everything's supposed to not be taken seriously, and then just hard stop to this sad piano music, and Dave's just like, I'm sorry <laughs> that I didn't treat you right, and your mother, uh, mm. It's like, you pick one. Pick one. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can't have them both. Sure. Yeah, the tone is messed up. It yeah, because like what, like the the conclusion with the way the zombies like fight Dave Batista, it, it it's more like like a samurai movie or something where the the zombies like taking off his his armor and they have like a slow one one on one almost like mm-hmm. fist fight with the like ripped zombies. <laughs> what is alluring about that in like a zombie story? It's just so stupid. And it doesn't work. It's not played for humor. It does think it's cool. It reads as if Zack Snyder like doodled it on a napkin and was like, "Yeah, this is the one. This is my like genius." In the same way, Sucker Punch read it was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. these are all my like teenage doodles coming to life." It very much feels like that. Yeah, my my robot zombies that you know, some are robots, some of them are alphas that are like ripped guys that ride around on horses with armor on. It's all like kind of juvenile in that way, and it all just boils mm. to nothing. I, I took nothing. I felt no emotion. I was just bored for two and a half hours. And Yay! <laughs> you did it again, Zach. Yeah. But does any of it even matter? Is yep. the thing because you said already nope. it's a huge success. If it's big, dumb, and it has like helicopters crashing into hordes of zombies, and zombie like, tigers. <laughs> And as a tiger, yeah. yeah. That, like, didn't it really get used cool except imagery. for just killing that one guy. It was, like, so... Like, yeah. That was yeah. it. That was it. Like, that's... A, it, it wasn't really a part of any battle. No one really fought it. He mm-hmm. just, like... He just got, like, carried around a bit and his head popped. It's pretty bad. They built up that tiger the whole... Mo- I love when the, the army of the dead things starts happening because, like, the... The queen gets her head cut off and they find out. And then they're playing this like really epic, like borderline tribal music. And you see like all these zombie characters mm-hmm. like running. And at that moment, I was like, man, I almost feel something. And then this stupid shit happened where like the tiger was like r- running along with them and then just sits on the car and yawns and like falls asleep. It's like, why would you show that in this like battle buildup? Se- like, why would you show the tiger sleeping? Like, it's just like, I'm done. Yeah. 
Like, why would you do that? And then all after that moment, I was just like, okay, the the emotion that I almost experienced has faded faded away. It's, it's not there anymore. Yeah. yeah. Now, I could be mistaken. I might have just forgot that this was a payoff in the movie that I missed. But early on, there's a scene where they're kind of explaining that the dried up zombies that have been there for ages are animated when it rains. That They kind of come back yeah, to life. Yeah, they said that, and I don't think they did anything with that, did they? Yeah, there's just so much shit in this movie. Again. So that was just never like, reincorporated <laughs> anyway. I, right. Yeah. That, okay. the robots, the lion. Like, If the, all the zombies were the trying baby, to get out up against the wall and they just got burnt up in the sun why was there like a weird like why was there like an actual path coming from the place in the door to like where they needed to go <laughs> like did the zombies did they use like a snowplow or did the zombies just only die in some spots it never ends with this movie because there, there, there are even theories floating out now that it's like a time loop thing oh fuck off no 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 yeah no, no. that too remember no. you see the alternate history version of them like mm -hmm. in the fucking safe yeah and there's like, like oh, dead bodies no, same... so bad. what was that nonsense that. yeah no, that's how i feel about I, it. I don't like, i don't subscribe bullshit. to that being a fan theory because that's something that the movie explicitly pushes just to be fucking assholes like they do this all the time in like yeah. so many different horror movies they'll be like more depth. what if what if you you just you died six years ago and this is all just purgatory for you? They always throw in like one line like that as if as if it's like really making you think like oh, what if that is the case? But the writer doesn't actually intend that. They just want to like give you the this different interpretation, even though they didn't intend for that. They're like force feeding mm -hmm. it to you. You know, there's no way. That's annoying because they explicitly oh, yeah. say that also it. gets just fans talking about it. Yeah, it, get, it gets those. No one would have thought of that if they didn't explicitly say it in the movie. Right? It's not like it works or fits. The whole film is just full of these throwaway ideas. You know, any one of these things could, you know, be explored in a in a two and a half hour movie with these robot zombies, with this time loop bullshit, with this heist. Just pick one of just pick what you want it to be instead of trying to be everything in in like five genres at once. Yeah. 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 It's a shit show. I rate it one and a half. Out of five. <laughs> Sorry, Zaki Poo. Yeah, I think this is a one star for me. I mean, yeah. there, as I said, there's really nothing you I like about it. You guys brought me down a lot, so to be fair. It was a two and a half when I first saw it, but there's just like, just so much bullshit. I, yeah, I'm normally <laughs> entertained by his movies, but it's when, it's when the length comes in, when it, that just, when you're going past two hours and there's nothing, just nothing yeah. of interest going on you're really going to start annoying me. Because, yeah, as you said earlier, Adam, if this was an hour and a half, hit similar beats, had some dumb action, dumb violence, I could be okay with that, you know? But yeah. it is the fact mm -hmm. it is asking so much more of you. It's Under like two implying hours. that it's... Yeah, it's, there is not much to it, and there's not... I don't know, the ideas here are not genius to me or bringing anything un unseen in, in these genres. And, mm -hmm. yeah, it just was quite annoying to me. Well... You might have given your ratings, but I'm not fucking done talking about this shit. <laughs> the, you, you mentioned the the dead pixels. 
I find that yeah. like absolutely fucking unacceptable to release a movie in that condition because Zack Snyder I during all these interviews and like he's built himself up. He's even credited as the cinematographer and he's like, I have a strong mm-hmm. sense of visual style. I make all my movies the way that I do because I'm super obsessed with how it looks. That's the entire reason why the fucking Snyder cuts black and white and four by or sorry, just four by three without black and white. I forget. It's just he throws out all these like nonsensical ideas yeah, where it's just like, he's, yeah, that's he, just nonsense. He he ha- he is claiming to have this perfect vision where everything has to be exactly this way. And yet, those dead pixels are in the movie. And if it was just one dead pixel in one spot throughout the entire film, you could get used to it. But it was in three different spots. And every time it cut, it kept interchanging between one of the three spots to a point where it was fucking comical. And it got more frequent throughout the entire film. Very distracting, especially when it's so dark. And I'm not even convinced yeah. that that a special effects animator would actually have to like manually uh, use like a paint tool and and paint in every single one on every single frame. I'm fucking convinced that there's an algorithm to fix that. If you just tell the computer like uh, <laughs> where the dead pixel is on the screen, you know, just like where the dot is, and then feed the entire movie to it, it'll take. Uh, the yes, the average color exists. around the pixel and fill it in for you. I'm convinced that that yes. exists. I don't it, even need evidence it of does that, exist. right? Yeah, that has to exist, <laughs> right? So, like, you couldn't to. even do that. Did you not notice it? Because we like when we wound up watching it, when I wound up watching it, the movie had already been out for, like, two weeks. You could honestly just fix that in post. It's on Netflix. Like, people have updated streaming movies <laughs> for other reasons before, yeah. you know? Like, they've been like, oh, let's yeah. just, like, t- yes. tinker this thing, patch it, or whatever you want to call it. That's it is ridiculous. They fucking patched the Cats movie while it was still in theaters. Fucking Zack Snyder, <laughs> like, Mr. Like, oh, this is my vision. Vision. Like, you're seriously going to let that one slide? That is completely fucking unacceptable. That is, like, not cool at all. I that that's that's like yeah. offensive to mm-hmm. to movies. It's offensive to movie such a it's visually offensive strong to director. Yeah, you can't really defend that. <laughs> it's because yeah, this is his first time shooting digitally. And I'm just reading here that it it might have been because of this obsession he has with this dream lens and like them having to jerry rig this old Maybe. like because they're from the '60s, but they had to like adapt it to the what they're shooting on now. So maybe something went wrong there, right? And and you can still fix it yeah. in post. You could still they fix that. Chris though. D'Elia yeah, so in post. They fi- they removed <laughs> an entire actor and replaced it with another one in post. They couldn't just get one. Like three different pixels on the screen to fix in post. Come on! Even then, it's it would the still be down to his bad decision making, oh though, because he, he wanted the whole movie to have that blurry out of focus thing going on, which I would argue is not necessary for this project. <laughs> it wasn't necessary. All. And then there's all these dead pixels. It makes the yeah, movie look like it's it's potentially so actually ruined the it makes movie. Makes me want to like. I was about to return my TV. I just got like, is it broken? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that's that, that's how you know it's not your TV is when it's consistent with the cuts in the film. You know, if yeah, it was it over like the entire up, movie, then you could blame your TV. You'd be yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah, sometimes you're right. Sometimes it was one, then sometimes it was two. I think yeah. the most I saw was two. But, you know, like, it's fucking ridiculous. It, it's absolutely fucking unacceptable. Like, you cannot release a movie in that condition. <laughs> Even on, like, a, a tiny, like, on, like, a 28-inch monitor or whatever. If if that's how you watched the, the film before releasing it, you'd still notice it. Right? It doesn't even have to be a, yeah. a right. big fucking screen to notice that <laughs> shit. It's so distracting. Uh-huh. How can you honestly release that movie? But yeah, that yeah. absolute bullshit. 
And then I also kind of wanted to fun. talk about the uh, the ending sequence where we we briefly mentioned the um, just how there's like no sense of like time escape. It, you know, they insist it without actually mm-hmm. showing it. The most one of the most infuriating parts was when they were like about to escape on the helicopter. Is like she wasn't there, and then she comes out from behind the building. She's like, instead <laughs> yeah. of just leaving, she's like, you know what? I decided I had a conscience, and then. You know, they're, like, dawdling the entire time. She looks over. What the hell is that? It's like, just fucking go. What are you doing? And then when she escapes, she doesn't go up. She goes sideways. It's like, you're just making it absolutely perfect for this zombie <laughs> to be able to jump on, onto your helicopter. You're providing the the perfect angle for that to happen. You know? I don't, I don't yeah. feel any tension yeah. for movies that imply a sense of danger, but every single time just oh so coincidentally because human brains are different, but it all just winds up happening in the way where they just put themselves in more danger, but it's just like, yeah, truly random or whatever. Oh, okay. Whatever excuse people want to give for that shit. It's so annoying and transparent to just put your characters in this danger in ways that are just completely illogical. And that Mm -hmm. line about, um, oh, I did grow a conscience, that really shows the lack of a... I don't know, appreciation for the audience, like it, really? You're just describing the, the wrap up of the, what that character's arc should be by just saying, Oh, hey everyone, I've changed now. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not giving the audience any credit to take in the story or, or pick things apart. It's just so surface level, like a lot of his films tend to be. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was stupid. One out of 10. Hack Snyder, go fuck yourself. You know, the trailer for a Dead <laughs> Island is a better zombie movie than uh, this whole two and Yeah, it's kind of Snydery, isn't it? His slow motion. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's like a song cover. Oh my yeah. god. Damn. That's a relic. You just reminded me of the Dead Island trailer. Well, well, yeah, because this this film <laughs> feels like it came out in 2011. Yeah. Like Skyrim came out with, you know, zombie trailers yeah. and everything. Like around Zombieland. It's like a yeah, it's like a Dead Rising trailer extended into a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of is. <laughs> Just uh, the Dead Rising has more commentary. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Thinks it's a lot cooler than it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're done talking about that. Yeah, one and a half. Goy gar- <laughs> half. garbage. All right. Crap yeah, for that one. There was a recommendation from Alex. Spoiler discussion. Yeah, so spin into something slightly different than a Snyder movie. My recommendation was 1997's Cure. Uh, full spoilers for this movie if you haven't seen it. So check that out before we delve in. Um, this is directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, and it's a kind of procedural about a detective who is trying to solve a, an intensely confusing series of murders where people are committing murders, but right after the murders, they're claiming they have no memory of how it happened or that they have temporary amnesia or it's a whole mystery and the whole story is about explaining and the the journey of the detective uh, kind of losing his mind trying to figure out what is going on here um mm, yeah how did we feel about this i was yeah i, I had a good time with this movie overall um mm-hmm. i was mostly drawn in through the the presentation and the choices through the way the story came together yeah um because there are some beats where i'm not entirely sure how i feel about them still i'm still trying to figure out what the film was trying to tell me because it is it's left somewhat open-ended the director's made an effort to not you know over over explain what's going on here but 
they do give you plenty of answers within the story itself. But mm-hmm. how did you guys feel about this one? Dank. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it had a it had a very yeah, deliberate sense of style. Very deliberate. Where it was a lot of long takes and very simple, like unexaggerated camera movements. And I loved mm-hmm. how in certain scenes it would show you I, I guess like a whole picture from like a specific angle, like the um when the guy gets shot in the back of the head and you see it just from that one mm-hmm. location and then later in the film you know after seeing some other stuff we come back same location and it's the crime scene with the tape and everything and it's from the exact same angle i like stuff like that where it's like it yeah. doesn't just bring you back to the location but it brings you back to the perspective yeah i, I liked the way it looked a sure lot. yeah there's a lot of long takes I feel like there's not a lot of shots in the movie. There's just a lot of like, mm. yeah, characters sit down and yeah, it's just like a long shot on them. It, it works. What? Um, it's Wes Anderson-y, right? I don't. <laughs> I mean, you you could say that in a way, but it was more reminded me of what because um, I'd I'd found this movie through hearing or reading that it was an inspiration for David Fincher in Seven, and I, I could see. For I could see Fincher? echoes of that in that sure. kind of, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking that too, but then I noticed the dates don't match up. Is it the other way around? Maybe because fin- the seven oh, came out before this. This is nineteen ninety seven. Might have been getting mixed up. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. That's why I was confused. Interesting. Nineteen ninety five yeah. and seven. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that matches. I think up. I'm getting mixed up with the quote of. Um, yeah, Sorry, Bong yeah, Joon-ho, I think. that That's right. Yeah, Bong Joon-ho has um, been quoted as saying this is one of his top 10 favorite movies. So maybe that's what I was getting con- confused with. And you can see echoes of yeah, his style yeah. there too. Oh, okay. But yeah, the that kind of detached, it's... The, the camera is very rarely handheld. It's all very blocked out procedurally, like this dedication to the you know, almost detached feeling of it. It makes the the camera just like this uh, what's the word for it where it's like a omniscient yeah omniscient that's the exact word I was trying to think of thank you yeah mm-hmm. omniscient force just watching the story mm-hmm. it's it's weird because this is considered to be like a part of the um, late 90s like Japanese horror I don't know if it's like called a renaissance or whatever but there was like yeah. this and Ringyu and Juon and you could even argue like audition all kind of like coming out yeah, around audition. this time period where yeah, this reminded me of that. Yeah, like there's there's a very deliberate and very uniquely Japanese tone to these horror movies that I really mm-hmm. like, yeah. especially in the editing. And I, I I feel like I would love to see more things adopt that kind of like weird editing style. Uh, like closer to the end, you see like the really quick shot of like what looked like a disfigured woman on like a wheelchair but it's only there for like a tiny second there's like audio Mm -hmm. coming with it too but it's not like a cheesy like orchestral hit jump scare it's more just like a weird noise i I like that stuff a lot and i've seen that in um in like some of the uh cinematics for like silent hill like the uh, silent hill 4 if you leave (laughs) the the menu playing you get that um you get like a really cool movie thing and it 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 implements Mm -hmm. those same kind of like editing techniques and i just i don't see that that often it feels so unique to like this culture and time period and genre and it was you know it it brought me back i was glad to experience it again it it doesn't feel cheap at all it's very like 
it does work in the context of the movie. There's no cheap jump scares or any shit like that. It's no. very just disturbing. No, Japan <laughs> loves existential dread, don't yeah. they? Where yeah. The, a lot of the fear and the horror comes from this concept of this... I mean, we're in full spoilers. The the killer's kind of revealed to be like a master of hypnosis, which mm-hmm. you know sounds like a kind of silly idea, but the way it's implemented, the way they explore it, and it is, it is exactly like a horror movie where they find the kind of law book and the the old VHS with the the previously unseen footage that reveals the the truth of what the kind of villain is capable mm-hmm. of. But it's mm-hmm. it's this idea of someone who is going through society, making people who otherwise would never do something like this, somehow able to snap and bringing out the violence in people. And I was wondering if that was part of the message of the movie, just this idea that just what would it take for just average people to snap or be pushed into this kind of these kind of situations? And it is a horrifying idea, the, the power mm-hmm. of language, the power of hypnosis, this this kind of concept. And a lot of Japanese horror does delve into these kind of ideas like... That you just would never think of otherwise. Like, what pops into my head is that spiral. I think it's a movie. Just crazy concepts that mess with your head beyond just the the imagery of it. You know, where there's just more to it. Where you're thinking about it. Yeah, spiral, not the Saw movie. Is there a different Spiral? No. Or are you confusing the shit out of a title? <laughs> no, no. I'm pretty sure it's called Spiral. Um, <laughs> okay. It's That's like a funny. short story that um I think was adapted into a movie. Oh, is it but, year two thousand on IMDb? Mm-hmm. So then let's yeah, I, I've never actually uh, seen the movie version. Okay. I've only ever read the the book version. But okay, yeah, just some good horror coming from out of there, and I I was kind of surprised in a way that it that it it was uh, kind of chucked in with the the grudge and you know the ring and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, because I wasn't I was reading it more as a sort of detective cop story as opposed to the the yeah, horror side like of it. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, whereas well, like yeah, the TV whereas in the part ring reminded me of like I guess ring or mm-hmm. yeah, it it, yeah, it has sure. it has a few of those elements in it, and I think that it's a really nice yeah. combination of those things. Right, it was mostly like audition for me because it didn't focus on the gore or as much as mm-hmm. I mean audition is very violent at the end. I don't want to spoil that movie, but mm-hmm. it's very, yeah, it's mostly focused on characters and just kind of building that tension and that disturbing kind of situation. But also, it, it never seems too interested in indulging in the violence in the way a lot right. of horror movies it can. Work. There's a lot of implied yeah. violence, like the last yeah. shot of the movie. There's a, there's a lot of more kind of subtle stuff like that that, that is a lot creepier mm-hmm. than just diving in with your... You know, your zombie tigers ripping right. people apart. <laughs> That's why it's like Fincher and stuff like that. Like, they're really good noir movies. Mm-hmm. It's more about, like, yeah, that kind of tone. Like, well, yeah, yeah. the tone. More so Maybe that's why Fincher violence. was so on my mind. Because with your, yeah. you know, with your mind hunters and the horror that comes with dealing with characters that are, you know, they are serial killers. It's obviously a lot of crossover with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and it's almost like a bit of, like, a trope in a way of having, like, the... Oh, yeah psychotic sort of like evil serial killer sort of thing but the dynamic between them and the main character it always winds up like putting the main character in such a worse place mentally trying to like i guess yeah solve solve the mystery or whatever it's like it it really unravels the main character and despite it being kind Mm -hmm. of a trope it's like I mean, it worked really well. It felt like very logical. Uh, the main character had already, you know, 
his life was already a little weird. You know, his wife dealing with mental illness and like... He's unsatisfied as a character. Yeah. He's not pleased with the position he's in. And he's... Yeah, that the, the villain is able to bring... He's able to see that and bring it out of him. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what the power that this this the serial killer has is yeah. in a very short amount of time. He's got such a command over language, you can just pinpoint your weaknesses and take you down that way. Yeah, Which, when yeah he, it's a horrifying concept. When he when he does start to I guess kind of like freak out and break down and like throw his coffee and everything, it doesn't feel like mm -hmm. it comes out of nowhere. It genuinely feels like like it's escaping from somewhere that's just been dormant in this character the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's emotionally repressed, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which leads to where the movie kind of culminates with that that final sequence with him uh, challenging the serial killer and mm. actually taking him out. But then the more interesting beat of him finding this phonograph and listening to it, and then it's down to you to kind of interpret what happens from there. Mm -hmm. What are your theories about that final scene and what is, what is going on there? I was a little bit torn on whether it was more him taking over and kind of using the what he heard on the phonograph to maybe adopt what he was able to do, or I think that's the, the implication. The, the phonograph, yeah. Or did mm. the phonograph have something that continued to hypnotize him to continue doing it? Well, or, I mean, or, I think it, it kind of like you could argue that it it brings it into more of like a su supernatural element where mm. it's not so much. You, like hypnotism anymore and it, it's more like some sort of uh like curse you could say yeah demonic they're always mentioning demons yeah they? and like if, if you're going to tie it into this whole ancient like oh and these people did this x carving in the 1800s or whatever they were saying like if you're going to tie it that far back then i, I think it kind of heavily implies some sort of supernatural element like if you're gonna have like a this long chain of hypnosis you know similar murders right, they made it kind of cultish didn't they with these yeah. secret ceremonies and master hypnotists yeah, yeah yeah so i think that's the implication another thing that's kind of interesting to think about is like you know in a way despite the villain failing to make the main character commit murder in a particular way in a way he kind of actually did do that you know because he yeah. got the main mm -hmm. character to kill him mm -hmm. so whether or not it was like just a suggestion hypnotism thing in the way that the other characters mm -hmm. fell victim to in the end he's still you know because of you know his <laughs> you could argue his words but also his actions but like he got at the main character in a way that he did get him to commit a murder whether or not it was in the way that yeah. he ideally would have mm -hmm. wanted right so right yeah and it's a bleak right. ending too it's not so this isn't one that's going to cheer up your day. It's, it's about exploring <laughs> this idea of what, you know, what, what happened yeah, if someone like this family. was that loose in Japan, you know? I really loved the, uh, the sound design also. There's uh, certain mm. moments where they play a lot with the, um, the like, background white noise. And so in certain hallucinations or sequences... Like when when the the villain was starting to hypnotize the uh, the nurse mm -hmm. or whatever during the moment where you the hear water. his like uh, his spoken dialogue and then she like comes out of it after he like splashes some water on her face or whatever that's when like the white noise kicks back in where it's like before that moment it's like everything else disappeared except his voice and then we see that exact same editing choice reflected later when he's having the main character is having the hallucination of 
his wife hanging herself in the kitchen. The moment he snaps out of that, suddenly you hear this extra background noise where like you hear like an airplane passing over and like everything else that's just like back into reality that you didn't know was missing before, right? Like everything's completely mm-hmm. silent except for the most obvious direct things you're supposed to focus on. But then it's like, oh, you snap out of the the hallucination and suddenly like the full range of everything you're supposed to be hearing is back. So yeah, I like, I like I thought that the, hallucination scene was one of the best moments for me where same. it was really starting to come together in terms of, Oh, this is what this movie is going for. There's, there's way more cleverness here. It's, it's subverting what I'm expecting a bit more. Cause in that moment I was with the character. I was, I was not expecting for a second for that, you know, that horror trope at this point for the, you know, the fake scare within some dream or they wake up or whatever. But it reinforces the the character and what he's going through and that mental degradation he's going through. I thought that was a great, great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked really well. Did not feel unjustified and it didn't feel like it came like too out of nowhere or anything. Yeah. Uh, we're aware that the that character was already suf- suffering mentally. And so it feels like a perfectly reasonable thing to happen in the film's universe at that point. You know, you don't just think like, oh, that's a mm-hmm. dream immediately or anything Mm -hmm. you know which happens so often in so many other horror movies (laughs) it's like yeah this is not Mm -hmm. happening they wouldn't do that yeah uh such a boring trope at this point but oh yeah yeah it's nice to be reminded of how you know to do it properly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the one of the films that i thought that this kind of reminded me of is um cachet michelle hanukkah yeah no i had to yeah because i saw that for the first time a few months ago and it was really reminding me of that Mm-hmm. With a bit more of the the subtlety yeah. of the commentary, because the camera yeah. does feel like you're kind of like voyeuristic yeah, watching, the, you know, the shots, yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. voyeuristic claustrophobia, like, shots. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very brisk pacing. It's not very slow at all. It's not a very long movie. It's under two hours. Yes, yeah, under two hours, hour fifty. Yeah, yeah, it it flies, flies by. by. And also, uh, practical effects. The. Uh, Blood, yeah, like yeah. gore, the body. None of that felt yeah, like that. That like really weird, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. It looked like a real body. Yeah, like it was disturbing. It had an impact on like the movie we just saw, where a bunch of zombies blew up and that just had no meaning. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah, pow. Looked like CGI. Yeah, <laughs> this movie it actually had like it had a visceral reaction out of me because mm-hmm. it had a story mm-hmm. around it, and there was like. An impact to that body, like, is actually important. <laughs> was there any point where the hypno- hypnosis thing was bugging you, like, at all? No, not really. It, no. At the start, at, at the very start of the movie, yeah. I was wondering, like, so the only way this is, like, surely that the only way this is possible is like through some kind of hypnosis thing that must be. <laughs> yeah, some kind of magical like, realism. Yeah, like what I else? I was thinking could it like be? that, maybe a magic stone or something. But <laughs> and I think because they lean into the the horror, more mystical, culty side. Yeah, of it, that, that makes too. it work as opposed mm-hmm. to because another another annoying trope too is like amnesia, you know, and like they mm-hmm. they don't really try to play with you too much in terms of holding you off till the end it's like oh is this guy really got amnesia or not type stuff i'm glad they don't mess around with that too much because that could get repetitive and annoying but this is just enough i think what helps is like in so many other horror movies when they use like uh hypnosis or amnesia as a part of the plot device they treat the the science behind it 
as if it's just something or it's like, oh, of course, like, yeah, amnesia works this way. Or, yeah, of course, hy- hypnosis works this yeah, way. Exactly. But in this film, the char- main character is actively asking these questions. and He's kind of shut down every time he tries to follow that that lead. So he's talking with his friend yeah. who is like a I don't remember if he was like a psychiatrist or what kind of credentials he had. He had some sort of credentials, but he's talking with this other friend that yeah. he sees in yeah. the movie. And he's like, do you think it's possible that someone could be hypnotized in this way? And whenever he's asking these questions, he's like. No, nah, that doesn't. There's something not right about this. It's not really how things kind of work, right? Mm-hmm. So, the we we get that sort of like inquisitive question, but we know we, we know that the movie isn't treating us as if we're stupid by pretending like that these things work in ways exactly. that they yeah, don't. Yeah, that scene know. was for me. That was for people who are thinking about that exact yeah. thing. Yeah, and, it, and it does put it to the asking. back of your mind. You're like, oh, this movie is thinking about this in ways. Yeah, that, yeah, they're exactly. ahead of me. So let's let's go. That's exactly why it helps, I think. Yeah, great, mm-hmm. great winners, great filming style. Nothing wrong with the performances at all. No. Good music. I remember the opening song at the beginning had this like nice little, it was like this weird kind of like jaunty, happy piano song, but there were just enough notes that didn't feel like they fit within the chord that it gave yeah. this like kind of weird, almost like it was unnerving, houseu kind of like weird kind of creepiness vibe to it. Mm. That was perfect, especially just, you know, because there's a murder that happens with, within the song. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess finally the um, very interesting visuals with the end credits as they go up the screen. Mm-hmm. These, like, sharp, mm-hmm. empty spaces. It's like cutting, yeah. You can only, like, read the full line when it's, like, in the direct center and it's, like, broken and damaged at the sides or at the top and bottom. Anything else to say about this film? I think it was just really solid all round. It's it's just nice to go to some, you know, some really solid horror. Yeah. Good 90s horror. <laughs> yeah. Kind of stuff that I'm glad I watched Japanese yeah. horror. And uh, yeah. out of the that list of films it's kind of lumped in with, uh, I don't know, I I like the approach of this one, I think. I think the most maybe your mm-hmm. addition I'd sort of pair pair with it, but yeah, there is just mm-hmm. something about how reserved it is. I love reserved filmmaking when it's pulled off in this way because you still get all the beats you want and expect, but it's just in a way you weren't, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anticipating necessarily. Yeah. I agree. And just all the creepy imagery of like the crosses and like the way, you know, when that guy he starts losing his mind and he doesn't even realize he's like scratched the the mm. X into his wall. Yeah, all the, the classic kind of horror stuff that you characters. want. Mm-hmm. That was all captured really well. And this idea of the the main characters, I don't know if it was sort of a comment on the the workaholic nature of culture there with him. He's trying to juggle his life as being this detective with his husband. And yeah, mm-hmm. I like the main character a lot in his uh, his conflict. Hmm. Awesome. I'm giving this one a seven out of ten for now. It's closer to an eight than a six, and I could see myself raising it in the future. I'll, I will watch it again at some point. It was great. Oh, yeah, I think right. I think I'm there with you. I, I'm going to say a four star for this. Mm-hmm. Um, def- I definitely need to see it again, but I was I was very pleasantly um, entertained by this one. Um, just this classic horror we're talking about the the Japanese approach, the just just taking a concept like this hypnotism and <laughs> working it into a horror setting that that doesn't take me out of it is a real accomplishment to me. I, yeah, I'd really recommend this, full star. Yeah, sure. I was going to go the same. Eight or four out of five. Yeah, four out of five is... I think yeah. it's, 
It's about on the level of audition or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's disturbing. <laughs> it's a disturbing Japanese horror movie. I think Audition's better. It's good. But I think so too. Slightly better. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I like Audition I'd a lot. Audition again. <laughs> I do too. I think I like it a lot more. Both good movies. <laughs> I like it more. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an eight out of ten. It's a good movie. Yeah. Before we get into question time, I noticed we could fill up a bit more time here. There was one thing that I kind of forgot to mention last episode when we were talking about Shrek. There was a point that I was going to bring up that's kind of like a, a part of like a longer conversation. And I guess this Good. could be as long as you wanted to. But I, there, there's this weird thing I noticed with like the plot of Shrek 4, Shrek Forever After, mm-hmm. where so Rumpelstiltskin is the way that he tricks Shrek into giving up a day is he says, we'll just take one day from when you were a baby and you don't even remember. Just, you know, just a random day you were a baby. And then Shrek comes to find out, oh, no, he took the day I was born. But if you think about it, Ah. it doesn't have to be the day that you're born. Like, if you wanted Shrek out of existence, you'd take the day that he was conceived, not the day he was born. Because you're still alive before the day you're born and after the day you're born, right? So if the implication is to say, because the day doesn't exist where you uh, were in the, you know, exiting the womb then you never left the womb, then, like, I don't know, would you just still be in the womb right. the day after and then I just move it towards forward a day? Because you could take away the day yeah. that someone turns age three. That doesn't necessarily, you know, if, if we're following the logic of the movie, that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that they would never turn three. You just You're assume right. it happens the day after, right? Okay. He definitely saying. messed with Shrek's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were trying to do, like, a Back to the Future thing. Well, because if, if let's okay. say, if you took away the day he was conceived, and so Shrek's yeah, dad doesn't come That's why Back to the Future Mama makes Shrek. sense, because like, the whole point was <laughs> Marty's parents didn't bang, so he didn't exist, yeah. right? That was the whole point. So that's what Shrek should have been. But then he wouldn't have been able to trick him, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't be accurate when he said, just a day when you were a baby that you don't remember. So he wouldn't have been, been yeah, able to trick it, him. If it he, was kind of weird wording. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to throw I'm that out there to see what them. you guys thought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shrek's Shrek Four is still good. I've ruined it. I don't think I'd. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would lower my rating. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to think about that movie the same way ever again. I don't really want to think of like ogres really impregnating each other. If I'm being real, but <laughs> bunch of ogres. Shrek's parents. Yeah, that's what we need to see. <laughs> Was like a different ogre born with the same uh, DNA? Then do you think? I don't know in that timeline. <laughs> Elseworld Shrek. If they took away the day that he was conceived, then a different ogre would have been born because he would have, Daddy Shrek would have banged on a different day, <laughs> and so it would probably be a different yeah. sperm. You know. Actually, mm. um, speaking of sperm, oh. um, the <clears throat> did you see what the Sony executive said about about Venom? In the MCU regarding our uh, our little bet me and Ralph have going. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I saw somebody what? posted um, it on the subreddit. <laughs> yeah. This is the quote from Sony executive Sanford Panich. There actually is a plan to connect Sony's Spider-Man universe to the MCU. It's getting a little more clear for people where we're headed and I think when No Way Home comes out even more will be revealed. So it looks like you're about to be 50 bucks richer, Ralph. 
<laughs> That's um, right. Maybe, maybe so I was happy. wrong all along. Although I, I, I figured it would happen because you know I want to say my, my so original obvious. bet would have been with the parameters that it's, it's like proper MCU integration. I'm not talking about some stupid Tom Hardy showing up for one second in No Way Home as a little cameo. Yeah, that's probably what's yeah. going to happen, right? They're going to do alternate universes because, yeah. like, everybody from every Spider-Man movie is going to be in No Way Home, right? So it's going to be it's <laughs> going to be references the movie. <laughs> in which case, yeah. I don't know if that counts as losing the bet. I mean, that, you'd have to interpret the know. words as literally as possible. We'll have to go back and listen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some someone else can leave a comment and decide. I just I just want to throw that out there. Now we got enough. If you didn't specify, then unfortunately, I think you lost. <laughs> yeah if i didn't specify it's I'm, I'm on me have to but, go back. You know, yeah either way hyped you know yeah mm-hmm. as the date comes closer to the the release of venom 2 let there be carnage <laughs> let there be <laughs> carnage Maybe that'll be that's title, a though. funny title you gotta respect the film that's coming out soon lots of movies coming out uh-huh. question time be a big year yeah let's do some questions from the southern coast community time? Yeah, if you want to leave your own pizza times for us to answer in the future, head over to the subreddit where there's a suggestion thread. The baby from Mother is going to start us off. What is one of the weirdest casting choices that actually worked out for the better? Good username, by the way. Hmm. Honestly, for me, what pops into my head is Cameron Diaz in uh, Being John Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great. Because I, I, whenever I think of Cameron Diaz, I'm not really thinking of her performances. Yeah, true, true. But her specifically, considering you know her, uh, you know the rest of her career and some of what she's known for. Yeah, John Cusack is a big one for me from that movie, really. Because like that, yeah. I don't know if I've really liked him that much in other movies. <laughs> she has like a mm-hmm. real like character. What's his big one? Performance? The record shop. Uh, say anything? Is that what it's called? No. What's no, it called? I don't think so. I know the I'm poster. High Fidelity? It's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah, High Fidelity. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him in that, but that's all I really associate him with. Mm-hmm. That um, hot tub time machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think uh, the actor Channing Tatum has some decent roles where he's actually proven he's like... Yeah. Like, good... That's you know, true, actually. Foxcatcher. Like, that's, he's good in it, I think. And, you know, he's in dumb shit, too. 21 Jump Street. <laughs> but I think he's more versatile than, like, I would give him credit for initially. I think in his early career, he was pretty bad, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, so, like, and I think, like, Foxcatcher's a standout performance. You can get, like, sure. really typecast, you know? If you just... Yeah, If sure. you're an actor and a certain he was role in side effects is too. being profitable. Yeah, then. side effects is good. Magic Mike. I didn't see Magic Mike. I heard good things. He's about in the Hateful though. Eight really briefly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, same thing was happening you know. to Robert Pattinson at one point. You know, he was in Twilight yeah. and Remember mm-hmm. Me and some yeah. bunch of bullshit. And then he started and then he started filming the real House. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember reading an interview of Channing Tatum saying um, that it was those G.I. Joe movies that harmed his career more than anything. Um, and that it was like mm. a real battle overcoming the mm-hmm. image from being in those. Mm. yeah that's what sucks is like the the way that films get greenlit the people in charge of giving allocating the funds to the films all they see is is this gonna have people in it that were in a big blockbuster last year right yeah. they don't want anybody that was in a flop 
So fucking what happened to uh, Miles Teller, like Fant Forstick, you know, like did that kill his career? Oof. What's he been doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like he was in Whiplash. It, it did, basically. I mean, he'll be back in um, the new Top Gun. He's in that. Yeah. Like what has he been doing? Yeah, it did honestly, some serious right? harm to his career. I'm sure it did. Yeah, it must have. He got beaten up the other day, I think. Yeah, Forsyth's a huge bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really sucks just how fragile that is. Yeah, like Michael career. B. Jordan was able to escape that, and um, yep. Josh Trank, I don't know. <laughs> he made Capone. <laughs> oh, yeah, that came out. I don't yep. even think I saw it. No, I didn't. I saw it. Capone, yeah. It's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Capone. <laughs> he poops himself oh. in the movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's quite a few actors out there that, you know, they do a bunch of shit roles and then just there's one role where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, you're an actor. Like, um, Jim Carrey's always been very eccentric, but Eternal Sunshine, I think, really lets him shine as an actor. Sure. Yeah. Eternal like, Sunshine, yeah. Truman Show. Tr- Truman Show, yes, but Truman Show is like so, it's a great movie and a great performance, don't get me wrong, but it's so close to what I'd imagine from him in the first place. Whereas Eternal Sunshine, he's playing such a more like shy and reserved character with like mm, you know very subtle yeah, like sure. mental problems and like he feels like a real it feels it's like a real departure. A he's not like so outward. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a departure, but it's still it's a good role for him. Like it's yeah. not quite number twenty three or some like dark <laughs> crimes. Or, I think it's uh, called Eggman. Yeah, it's just too much. We, you can't really take it seriously because it's like Jim <laughs> Carrey, but he's like a really dramatically. Eternal Sunshine's perfect. You know. Yeah bittersweet romantic like drama yeah very good tone and and truman show too like that one it's it's a comedy but at its heart it's like more of a drama you know <laughs> i'd say there's a there, there's some movies where uh com- comedic actors try to break into a dramatic role and it doesn't work so well like uh mm-hmm. butterfly mm-hmm. effect and uh who was that Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, 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 that's right. And then uh, Saw Spiral. <laughs> but I guess you, you'll find out when you see it. <laughs> hey, that'll be a matter Damn. of opinion. Oh, yeah. I I can't wait to hear what you say about it. I can't wait to hear what both of you say about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm hyped. Man. Chris Rock. It's, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you <laughs> figure it out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's do this one then from Cindy ZYK. Have you guys ever tried to learn a second language? How competent are you with it? And in what way does it affect your film viewing? Hmm. You guys got any second languages going? I learned what French and a bit of Spanish in school, but aside from that, I never really. Yeah, in school I learned a little bit of Italian. I'm not that fluent though. You got anything, Adam? Yeah, in. In Canada, they do, like, French immersion in schools, so you can either have your kid do their entire schooling in English or their entire schooling in French, basically, learning the exact same subjects, just with different language from a teacher. And I was in French immersion up until the end of grade three, and my brother was in French immersion for his entire schooling. So he lives in Montreal now because he was fluent in French just from having French immersion. I know a bit of French. There's no good reason why... I should have been removed from French immersion. I don't know why. I got a C in social studies, and my parents were like, he must not understand the language. So, <laughs> and then I got moved into yeah, English, and then idea. grade four, I got a C in social studies, because I don't give a shit. 
I don't like history and I don't like maps. <laughs> I don't... Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I know a bit of French. I know a little bit of Japanese, more French than Japanese, but I've been trying some of those like language learning apps. There's like Duolingo and Lingo Deer. Duolingo, yeah. And they're helpful, but the problem is just like the amount of consistent commitment that you need to put on it. And if you fall off mm-hmm. that routine and it's not a habit anymore, then it's really difficult to get back on. But at the same time, every time I do get back onto one of those, I feel like I still retain a lot of what I, where I left off. Like, it doesn't just exit my mind forever, even if I yeah. take a break for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, learn a tiny bit of uh, German and a bit of Japanese. And I would love to learn Korean, but it's very difficult. And I feel like I oh, would yeah. probably need, like, a tutor uh, to help that process sure. and also to help yeah. with the commitment because if you're paying somebody then it's a lot easier to justify doing it on a routine yeah mm-hmm. yeah the I guess the the biggest hack with this language getting our grips over it uh, the best way I've heard it go down is just when people they have to move country go live in Spain for a few mm-hmm. years you're just surrounded by it you just gradually over the months start picking it up like you're saying with with French in school or whatever. But do you find it actually assists yeah. when you're watching French cinema or anything? Knowing some of the words? Because, I mean... I mean, you know I'm what's funny, though? With foreign language cinema. You'd think that learning another language would, like, assist you in a way. And, I like, you could make that argument. But it just makes you more aware of how inaccurate subtitles are. <laughs> because you have to, like, not only uh, trans... It's not like a word-for-word translation, because not every language yeah, orders the words in yeah. different ways. Like, like you, you, you find yeah, out that you're asking different. a question in right. Japanese only at the, like, syllable ka at the very end, right? Like, mm-hmm. Well, hence lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. so there's yeah, things that, things like... Are. Especially when you write dialogue where there's like a very cultural understanding to that line. Or if you write a line in a film where a character confuses one word for another, it's like, okay, then you have to find two words that that rhyme. And you can't use the exact same words that were in the original definition because they don't rhyme. So you have to kind of like create a new line that the original writer didn't intend, you know? Yeah. That's the art of translation, isn't it? Either that or don't have them rhyme. And then that can be weird too, right? Right. So, or just like common colloquial expressions or whatever. Like sometimes you really just have to like adjust that to the culture, really. And that's that's why subtitles mm-hmm. are so weird sometimes. Yeah. Like Germany, they've got a bunch of bespoke words that just we don't have translations for. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it, it gets it gets pretty crazy with, when you're dealing with all the different languages, and I just feel like I'm missing so much with some of these foreign language films that I just know that when it's in my native tongue, I'm I'm not missing some of the inflections and delivery. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. so much. If you're fluent in a language, then you might as well just watch it without subtitles. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get the pure experience of it, I guess. So. uh we have a a fucked up one here from cool. deleted. They actually they actually deleted their uh, their account after leaving this. But oh. <laughs> hypothetical question for for Adam and Ralph: An evil wizard casts a hex on you, which prevents you from watching any of your top fifty favorite movies. If you try to turn on any version of any of these films, the screen is black and you cannot hear a thing. If you try to listen to the score alone, you won't hear anything. If you try to read its screenplay, you won't understand a word you see. 
The wizard offers you a deal. He says he will restore your abilities to watch your favorite, your 50 favorite films if you can just do one thing. Watch all of the Madagascar movies, including The Penguins of Madagascar, every day for a year. Keep in mind, that's about six hours a day. You can't put it on while you're working or sleeping, and you can't watch it with friends or under the influence of drugs or alcohol. You must give your full attention to all four films every day. If you cannot do this, then you can never watch the likes of The Holy Mountain or Goodfellas. What do you do? Oh no. But then wouldn't wouldn't my new favorite fil- 50 films be the ones that I could actually watch then? <laughs> but you'd have to write off The Holy Mountain and Goodfellas, right? And, or whatever's in your top 50. You could, never, you could never watch it again. It would be kind of like, uh, you know, that Danny Ball movie where like the Beatles stop existing apart from that one guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand the yes, parameters sure. of what what exactly that means. Like, I can't even think about it in my head or no? Because if I can't even like yeah, read it or listen to it, like I won't it's understand. So complicated. I won't understand the words in the I just won't watch movies anymore. Well, I mean, there's there's still a lot of great movies out there. 50 is a lot to get yeah, rid watch, of, like, new movies. I guess I had my Phil Goodfellas. I don't think yeah. I'd watch Madagascar. The Madagascar movies every day. That's fucking if, crazy. If I could years. do it while I was working or under the influence of something That's or crazy. sleeping, like any any one of those. If if I could just have it on my phone while I'm like cooking food or something, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they wrote it so that I, I what I have to like fucking keep my be, eyelids like, in open. A setting watching it. like not allowed to like see anybody like six hours out of my day just fucking that'd be like no free time if i'm still working you know like it would be like an extra job for a year just to return the holy mountain yeah no i don't uh i wouldn't do it i would i would uh surely discover more (laughs) movies over time and there's plenty of movies to appreciate yeah so because that's three more movies you could be watching a day pretty much in those six hours yeah yeah i can respect that what about you ralph I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. It's too much. And the reason that question wasn't for Alex is because he, of course, he would do it. Yeah, it's not even <laughs> a challenge for me. It's pointless. Ask. I already do that. <laughs> yeah, <You're a> stronger <laughs> man than me. <laughs> cool. Including the Penguins movies. Uh, that does that what does add a sort of, you know, that does make it a bit more difficult. But you know, that's only what an hour and twenty minutes extra, whatever. Yeah, but times a year. (laughs) That's only one year, and what get to bring back some goodies? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I guess if I had to, I mean, what what a choice. Duty in a way at that point. Either that or not watch Goodfellas again, right? So, Candied Unicorn has one for us. I've had this thought lately, and I'm wondering if I'm alone on it. With CG phasing out 2D animation as an art form. Many very rightfully feel that 2D animation isn't respected by the industry. Ironically, I feel that this has led audiences down the path of disrespecting CG animation as an art form too, often seeing it as a lazy, inferior shortcut. Do you see any truth to this? What are some examples of CG animation that you consider to be worthy of praise? The question's Hmm. right. There's a stigma against that. Mm -hmm. Against CG animation for that reason. Because in Norma the North... (laughs) <laughs> and shit like no, that. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think it is partly that. Um, but yeah, it isn't lazy at all. It's a CG animated films we talk about all the time that look great. Mainly DreamWorks, Pixar, Rango, and maybe a lot of stuff, yeah. but it doesn't come to the top of my head. Yeah. 
I don't think 2D animations like shit on either as much. <laughs> I don't know. Or disrespected. Yeah, I guess it was more... It's always associated with kids, and that's usually where it's disregarded, right? And because all kids' content used to be 2D stuff or stop motion or whatever. Then CG's come in, it's cheaper. Yeah. I feel like there's more variety now. There's 2D animation yeah. for adults, there's 3D animation for adults. It's like, you know, <laughs> I feel like there's so much variety out there. I don't know, because I feel... I, there's obviously a lot of talent that goes into computer animation, and I have a lot of respect for it, especially when it's done really well. But I don't... Uh, if we're comparing that type of animation to other types of animation... I have yet to see a computer animated film that I feel is like a very personal masterpiece sort of thing, you know, like something that's like from one person expressing one person's idea. Whereas obviously, you know, stop motion, we've seen Mary and Max, we've seen uh, Anomalisa, you know, you could argue like Fantastic Mr. Fox is like, you know, that's a Wes Anderson sort of thing, you know, in 2D traditional Mm -hmm. animation, you could find films like uh, Ralph Bakshi film like that's a really good example of like mm-hmm. someone's you know th- that that's what I love the most about movies and that's the experience that I try to get out of it is like I want to see something that's by someone and it just breathes their essence and I learn about the person creating it by watching it and I have yet to find that for like a computer animated film maybe people can give me some recommendations maybe I'm not thinking of one properly but like my favorite computer <laughs> animated film is like I don't know Ratatouille Right, and that's like just like a Pixar movie. I'd say like most mm-hmm. Pixar movies. Are... Yeah, well, they're, they're sort <laughs> like of like Brad Bird it. directing The Incredibles. Like, but I that's not Brad no, because that, that still feels like a fa- yeah. the, the Pixar movies blend into each other. Right, you swatch, you swap out the directors, you basically have I the same movie. About... Really, do you think? No. I don't feel that way about that era. Yeah, I don't feel that way about some of their earlier stuff, like Incredibles specifically. I feel like that's such a Brad Bird movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That one's got a lot of personality. It's not like a personal, like, it's not like Anomalisa quite, but it doesn't well, that's, have that's to be. Part I think that, though, that's the it? expression of Brad Bird in, as a filmmaker, is to make pop art like that. You know, I don't but think C- it's any less. CG animation on on the scale of a project like Incredibles, is it's just so expensive. And especially, yeah. what was yeah. that, 2004? They were pioneering the technology, and whereas, like, oh. stop motion, anyone can do in their garage sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's more personal, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it does need to be. Yeah, what have we seen? Right? Like food? No, it's not called food fight. I always ironically call it food fight. Shit, what's the real name? <laughs> food I've actually fight? Sausage party. Sausage yeah, party. Sausage party. Yeah, that's right. Um, which I don't actually like, but I don't. That's either. like one of the only examples of a. Uh, right, that's what I mean. Kind of... It's so cheap. It's just like mm-hmm. crappy. Like it just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, made by slave labor, basically. Yeah, I'm just, I'm still waiting for something that I feel has that type of like really well-made, but also personal quality to it that I, that I love out of films. And, and like, I mean, CG animation is really expensive, but it's yeah. Like there are people that can create things independently, but from what I've seen, like on, I don't know what it is about it. Like, I, I guess I'm not like super involved in the process because if I see a CG animated YouTube channel and there's a bunch out there that create their own things, half of them are really like shit posty where they're like trying to make something that mm-hmm. looks stupid and weird. And I think it might just be like a part of the process. But then you look at like, like 2d animators that are posting their own short things that they're creating basically by themselves. Like 
Don Hertzfeld or uh, I need to look up the name of this guy. What is his name? He made Double King. Uh, Felix Colgrave, like fucking awesome animator. Like Felix Colgrave Mm -hmm. makes some great shit. And they're so him and they're so they feel like super high uh, production value. I don't know if he's the only animator or whatever, but like that's like a shorter version of what I'm looking for. I haven't seen like a feature length version of that in, in CG really, you know, I just, what I, about I then something it. like the Lego movie or a uh, spider verse, both Lord and Miller. Um, yeah. Lego movie, Lego movie is my fit. Yeah. I would say that's my, I keep forgetting about it. You know, I always say Ratatouille, but it's actually Lego yeah. movie. But again, like Lego movie, although that's very much like a Lord Miller thing, and that's the reason for its success, it's also the Lego movie. <laughs> it's it's also a movie of Legos and Batman Legos. But the actual, like, yeah. that was where the technology was perfect for the story, though, because yeah. using CG to create yeah. and then within the limitations of the Lego world, animate within that style too, to make it kind of look like fan films. I know what you're saying. That's mm-hmm. still not quite what I'm talking about, though. You know, I st- I still haven't been satisfied in what I'm Spider-verse looking for. Spider Verse as well. I'd say that's a good example. Yeah, because then go next to Spider Verse, where it's Lord and Miller again, but the visual styling is what makes that movie stand yeah, out. Yeah, there are there anything. are CG movies that have interesting visual styles for sure. It's just nothing that's quite satisfied this craving. You know. Yeah, but they're so personal these styles to like them. Like Incredibles is Brad Bird. Like I don't think any other any other Pixar movie looks like that or feels like that, except for Incredibles two, maybe, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> like I just and the same thing with Spider Verse. There's a ton of personality. I want to watch a movie like a, where it doesn't feel like it's gone through entire teams of people to sign off on aspects in the movie before it gets to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking for. But making these movies is so expensive. It's exactly like, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it that's is. What it's I mean impossible. With the scales of these CG yeah. movies. They usually just aim for a very general audience or as general as they can go. I don't think mm-hmm. it's necessarily impossible, but you'd need like a really hands-off producer with a lot of money who just doesn't care about whether yeah, or not they can exactly. Attack. <laughs> yeah, they're starting to get a bit more creative in. Because there's such a, a baseline of just how an animated movie looks now that they have to do mm-hmm. things to actually stand out a bit to show themselves out in the crowd. So like that Peanuts movie from a few years ago, that actually had a unique style of animation for a CG kind of movie. Sure. Even Pixar's trying things now, this upcoming movie that's like set in Italy, different kind of designs, color palettes, and yeah. you know, lighting, everything. Soul was a little bit different than what they're usually doing. I think we are seeing... It's going in an exciting direction now that the technology is just so insanely photorealistic. Really, you, sh- you can just do anything, to, you know. And as the mm-hmm. technology gets cheaper, the the options just become more and more endless. Yeah. So hopefully, more of those independent artists will come out. Yeah, because even on like Netflix with these shows like Love, Death, and Robots, which um, I think some of the animators, art directors from Spider Verse. Um, at least in that first season, there's an episode that uses an extremely similar kind of style. Um, so you can find kind of these examples out there, but it is just sort of low key at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited and looking forward for things to grow. Yeah, 
just any all this tech stuff is is interesting and just how mm. it can it like levels the playing field so then it's just the stories that have to come through or the creativity mm. that has to shine through in some way mm-hmm. yeah i wish 2d was still a thing that studios wanted to do though <laughs> i feel like there's always going to be like a little bit of like resentment for a lot of people well, yeah, I resent Disney majorly for that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you can't put, like, a, just a little bit of that just insane amount of money you're making, just a bit, just on these little passion projects that, no. you know, that, that, that strike at what the company used to be about, what its history is in. <laughs> they don't really deliver anything like that anymore. It's cool to have this new CG 3D era, but it'd be nice also if they had some, like, true 2D passion projects, but they just kind of gave up after the princess and the frog i guess it was mm-hmm. which is like what, really you gave up after that one Why not just <laughs> yeah that again? was <laughs> that that was their uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of like yeah let's take this side script and these like side songwriters and then we'll see yeah. if uh 2d is still profitable but we won't put our our best efforts and all of our resources into it Oh, it wasn't as profitable as the other ones that we did put our our best efforts into. Mm-hmm. I guess nobody wants to see 2D animated films anymore. Let's stop that. It must be because it was 2D and not be- because we mm-hmm. didn't put our best efforts into it. Fuck yourself. Yeah, it's very lame. Yeah. Butter467 has one for us. What are some of the most overused songs you've seen in movies? Speaking Ugh. of Zack Snyder. Like in the movie themselves or like... Just, just in general, song. songs you're sick of hearing in movies. Like I think of um, Hallelujah and like covers of that song. There was one I think in, um, in, in <laughs> the credits Snyder. of in yeah yeah that was in the credits of uh, the Snyder Cut, wasn't it? Like a cover yeah, of and Hallelujah. it's in Watchmen. Yep. What's that fucking song that was in? Was it in Shrek Three where it was um. Uh, Immigrant song. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's that it's one's in kind Thor of mean. three. It's in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the cover of it by Trent Reznor. Oh yeah. That's yeah. an okay cover. That, dude, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. any hit classic rock song from the seventies has been overdone to fucking death by this point. Mm-hmm. Dream on dream on yeah <laughs> that's like Argo. literally any it's 70s like, but, classic you know, rock song things. is yeah like in the top 100 most overused songs of all time for me yeah. queen oh god bohemian rhapsody's suicide squad it's in bohemian rhapsody yeah trailer. that's a lot in marketing oh, of course at least yeah yeah, yeah. that i keep getting so... mixed up in marketing too because there are so many examples of songs that are abused in that even songs from the scores of movies right isn't the score from 28 days later just like yep abused yeah. everywhere online yeah. sunshine constantly. every john bryan <laughs> popular score yeah. the uh yeah. Yeah. requiem for a dream lux Eterna got reused uh-huh. and redone Da-da. in many ways yeah and it's always yeah, so weird really hearing other film score songs get overused because it's like i don't want to be thinking of a different film within this film's universe you know mm-hmm. that's weird it's worked fine in yeah, some documentaries. Really it depends on the movie. Tarantino does it really well because his movies are different, but he's like an exception. Yeah, and he also picks a lot of film scores from like more obscure movies where he's just like, I'm just going to... Sure, they're more obscure. Yeah, yeah. he's right. more of an exception too. He's a very good writer. He tends to use things pretty well in general. Right, Yeah, definitely. 
Yep, seventies classic rock. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty much my answer. <laughs> it's the whole genre. <laughs> it's overused. Yeah. Fuck. Tarantino and Scorsese, they use music the best, basically. Yeah. 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 We can end on this one from Tunisian. How do you feel about going back to theaters with the ambiguity surrounding vax slash unvaxed people? So I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I'm the only unvaxed person in the, in this call right now. Uh, I'm half vaxed. Is that, is that right? Oh, you're only half vaxed. Okay. Yeah, I'm fully. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm non vaxed right now. Or um, no, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not interested in going to the theater until I have mine. Sure. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm waiting. All right. They'll be all right. Everyone will be okay. Yeah. I mean, get your vaccine. Yeah, I'm just waiting get for your my vaccine. Jab. And, yeah, be step, safe. Step, step to the individual. <laughs> use uh, yeah. Use protection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm like, cause I don't think it's been that hard on me not seeing things in theaters. Like yeah. the biggest ones where I was like, "Oh, come on, you're releasing it, and I have to wait." Were like Tenet and Saw Spiral. And after seeing those movies, I would f- I would be pissed at myself if I went to a theater to see that when it wasn't like safe or if let's say I like got COVID <laughs> watching one of those movies, I could never forgive myself, even if it was just mild symptoms. Yeah. Just knowing that I got yeah. COVID because of Tenet or Saw Spiral, I would have like I never would have forgiven <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So Yeah. Was it worth it? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm getting more and more annoyed about that whole Tenet thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the guinea pig <laughs> trial and error. Could have done mm-hmm. both. Film yeah. release. I mean, he's not working with Warner Brothers anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> Is that official? I think he's just kind of bitched really loud. I don't know if... Did, did he actually officially break it off? Yeah, like, I don't know. He's He must be really upset or something. I don't know. What's going on? Yeah, really upset over nothing. Yeah. He could For, have just put it on VOD. Well, he upset at them for, like doing an HBO Max thing for a year and only a year when he didn't have any movies he was releasing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> During an unprecedented pandemic that, was that no one anticipated. Yeah. He could have delayed Tenet. If he wanted a theater, he could have just delayed it. Because that I get. Yeah, but he, mm-hmm. it's so weird that he just did so insistent that it had to be out his now. movie was basically the only one out like it was the only one in theaters yeah. that was mm. new it was the invisible man and then tenet like <laughs> which you said it was like february but when i went to see it there was only like one other person in the whole entire theater so yeah i'm curious how that's gonna there. go yeah it was just really that that was pretty ridiculous yeah of course it's a chris nolan film but i'll go see it no matter what <laughs> yeah was Cruella in theaters? Yes. People yeah. rushing out to see that one? Yeah. Uh, okay, do that would do it. That one has theaters, but... Yeah. I'll be seeing old in theaters. Oh, it's on Disney Plus for $30, so it'd actually be cheaper to oh, fucking just see it in the theater. Yeah, there you go. Unless you Can got you a family options? of four. Yeah, I got a family <laughs> of four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no individual <laughs> tickets. Yeah, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. I'm looking for... You know, I'm 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 excited to see things start opening up again to normal capacity, but also provided that it's done safely. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it will be trepidatious until the new Marvel movie comes out, and then everyone's just going to forget. You know, it's going to be just back to normal. <laughs> right when Black Widow comes out, you'll see. When the Eternals hit screens, everyone's going to be. Eternals. You know, yeah, no one's going to be. That's the whole COVID at that point. <laughs> Dank. 
All right. I guess it's time for a film recommendation for next episode. I'm picking a film from 2009 directed by Sam Raimi called Drag Me to Hell. And uh, (laughs) and we're going to have a special guest to talk about that. Uh, Jenny Nicholson is going to be joining us. Nice. And we'll also probably talk a bit about Cruella also. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, if you don't want spoilers for any of those movies, uh, then watch them before the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. Uh, You can listen to them early. If you go to sardonicast.com, sign up for premium. $2 a month, you'll get the episodes early. I can't even talk anymore. Sardonicast.com. Patreon.com slash Sardonicast does the same thing. You're right over there. Yeah. I'm fine. (laughs) $2 a month. (laughs) We got merch also. Proceeds from the merch will go to uh, my Alzheimer's diagnosis tests. Fuck. (laughs) Have a Shrek-tastic day everybody yeah let's send it like that again shrek shrek everybody yeah, thanks for shrek. listening <laughs> shrek is love shrek, shrek. is life bye-bye <laughs>